With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. See, that's the thing. I, <laughs> I, I really don't like meeting new people. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to meet new people, but I don't really. I'm not really willing to like, go to some random conference <laughs> and then just mill into the crowd. But you like love it. You literally can do it. I feel 20 hours a day. So would you call that networking? Yes, and I think that's the real networking. I think the other thing where people say, "Oh, come to my networking event." That's not networking. That's mm. BS. And I think all those people stay small. They they stay small with their with their small businesses that may or may not work. Whereas you're building real businesses, particularly because you keep the quality very very high. And you have to balance those relationships because you can't have those kind of relationships on a wide scale. It's not possible to keep that many people close, right? So it becomes an allocation of time. You have to be a good steward of your day. You have to calculate, in a sense, that this is somebody I want to spend time with. I'm not really sure why, but I see that we can have a future together. I like their screening capability. I like who they are. I like what they stand for, and I like where they're headed in life. So when you have relationships with people that have those kind of qualities, that can be very powerful. James, you have any idea where you're going on this interview? I have absolutely no idea, but I let what I want to learn be my compass for these things. So with that said, Scott Cohen, you've been on the podcast once before. I don't know if people remember it was two years ago. You are, I think I, I dubbed you in that podcast, the best networker on the planet, or at least the best networker I know. And we discussed kind of your history of networking, of of how you became the best networker in the world. It was everything from you hanging out in your 20s with Alice Walton, like the richest woman in the world and presenting her deals. And you had a very, um, what I would call a ready, fire, aim approach. Like if someone said to you, if, call, if someone called you up and said, hey, does anyone here have a, uh, any deals in Russia? You would just say, I do. <laughs> If you did or not, and then you would fly down to Arkansas and start, and then fly to Moscow and start making deals. Would that is that a fair assessment? <laughs> when you gave me that title, of the best marketer networker in the world, I I, I caught a lot of shit for that. So really? people were like, "Your best market networker in the world? What is that?" And I had to think about it. What is it? It did, never struck me as something that I was really doing. It was just a natural. It was just how I was. It was it was who I was. But I didn't think of myself that way. Um, so when you name, gave me that title, um, 
caused me, I, I thought about it a lot and um, it's, it's just a natural, it's, it's, it, 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 it can, it's not a preconditioned thought. It's not a, a, um, something I go to work and say, I'm going to network. It's just something that I just do without well, knowing I'm going to do it. You, I think you bring up a good point. I think people say to themselves, oh, I'm going to go out there and network. I think those are poor networkers. Mm -hmm. I think if they go to, if, if somebody goes to, let's say, a conference or a meeting or even a party thinking, I'm going to network here. This is going to be a great mm -hmm. networking event. They're already putting distance between themselves and the people at the event. They're, 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 I think you, I think you out of pure enjoyment, like meeting and being friends with the people you do business with. I would refer to it more as a dot connector. Uh -huh. When I meet somebody and I'm, I can see where that connection might make sense, whether it's in business, whether it's socially, whether it's with regards to charity, but my mind works as just kind of connecting dots my whole life. So um, that can apply to networking, but at the end of the day, putting um, this dot together with this dot and connecting is something that just happens naturally, whether it's yeah. business or pleasure or just um, social causes. Well, well, I'll give a good example. So um, because this one has evolved in the past two years, uh, uh, Rap Technologies, uh, which is the, the uh, I, don't, I don't even like calling it a gun. What do you call it? We call it a, a a restraining device. So okay, it's on the it's on the policeman's holster or the security officer's holster, and it's it's you you shoot it at somebody, and it, it sends out a Kevlar cable at the speed of sound that wraps around someone. It's almost like, um, you know, handcuffs plus. It's like handcuffs you can use from a, a distance. I don't even like calling it like a replacement to taser. It's almost like super handcuffs, but it's non-lethal obviously. And, and, and I remember when you were first starting to think about it, there was a problem, which um, taser was killing people. And, and also, you know, people were just getting killed in the law enforcement space. Uh, uh, you know, there was, there was the whole hashtag Black Lives Matter. There was the fact that a lot of these people being killed were mentally ill. And it's because... It's scary on either side of being in, in law enforcement. A police officer goes out there every day and he's worried he's going to get killed. So they needed a more effective weapon. But then the taser started. Uh, I don't know what they, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, taser allegedly kills people as well. We've You've sent me some videos. I've seen some videos of, of this. And so they're no longer allowed to use the phrase non-lethal. So you're thinking to yourself, non-lethal. That's the only thing you're thinking. And then, and then I noticed, I watched, you had friends who were police officers, friends who were ex-police officers. Then you called up an inventor who had previously, 15 years earlier, made a gun for the army. It was like a sonar gun. Then you called people in Israel who had bulletproof vests with, with cameras on them. Okay, that one didn't work out. Like You called everybody you could, mm -hmm. and you tried to put everybody together kind of in a, a room virtually. Like, what, what happens if we put all these people together? And then suddenly... This new device was invented, the the wrap gun with this Kevlar cable, and then you, with your expertise in business, you put it together as a business and brought it public, and now it's being used by. You were here's the other thing you do too. You don't mind just getting on a plane and going <laughs> anywhere at any time. Like I can't stand that, but you love it, and so you get on a plane. Okay, you're going to a law enforcement convention in 
California, then Florida, then Oregon, then Washington. Then you just travel all over the place. You put it all together and then you step out, company created. And now uh, like what's what's going on with that company now? <laughs> so my first call um, when we started conceptualizing a wrapping device was to my brother uh, who works for the the, the, uh, the State Department. And, um, and he pretty much laughed me, thought, thought it was a really silly idea. Um, but I knew we really had something when my brother came around about a year ago and said, holy shit, I've got lots of people in the department talking about this. And this, if this really works like these videos are showing, you might have something revolutionary. Um, so that was the first check, which was scary because he told, I respect what he says, right. he's in law enforcement. Um, but to see him come around as this thing evolved, it, it, um, one of the keys to starting this was just the, the, um, the frugalness of um, the team. Um, people willing to just work because they believed in something, because they believed in me, the inventor, and this idea of um, a, a a new tool that could save lives. So, so on, from a networking perspective, I think this is really important. If someone, the first time you call them, says, "Hey, I'll talk to you, but it's going to cost you this," or the mm. second time, like, "Hey, I need a little bit more," okay, but it's going to cost you this. I think, I think if people are not focused on a bigger vision. Then they're probably not the right people to work with. Like there, there is a power of free, which is you, you. If if someone is, you know, not that people are, not that everything people do is. Oh, I'm just going to do free everything because I'm such a good person. Like people need to make money. But I think if someone's willing to work for a bigger idea at first and and sacrifice short term needs for a long term gain, I think that's a powerful filter to know that, okay, you're doing the right networking. And those that took the, the, that step that you just spoke about um, made fortunes of money because they were in early. So those that took that step of um, belief and faith that we were going to make this happen, we would put together the cap structure to allow us to raise the capital to get to market with not only a product that was reliable, that could perform, but be in a position where we could train and run a budget where we could support a business. Um, if we didn't have those people in the beginning that believed that we could get this done, that had their hands out, that had contracts in front of us, pay us here, we need our monthly salaries, and we probably, it would have been very different today. It was our ability to get through the development cycle of the product, file the patents, protect it, and then get out with a prototype and start talking it up at that point, you had to have capital to do that, but that was a good year and a half. So people just had to suck it up in the beginning. And those that did benefited greatly from it. It changed their lives financially. A year and a half because, again, I think what you do is you get you find a problem, you get a lot of people in a room, you know, all and 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 not just ra not just random people, but people who you know you start thinking, well, maybe I can talk to this person, maybe I can talk to this person. And you start to see, you start to throw ideas against the wall because your very first idea on this, I remember, was just the bulletproof vest. I think, right? You you were trying to solve. No, it was a, problem. a hand, it was a handheld sound gun. Okay, the handheld sound gun. But then I think you were really looking into the bulletproof vest that's thing. Right. Yeah, um, that's right. But that's like a commodity. And then you start getting into this. But by that point, you you had former police chiefs on board. You had uh, scientists. You had salespeople who had been in the space. Now you have like one of the ex-founders of Taser who's the, the president of the company. And then I think you just keep going. You just keep going to 
all these conventions and you're meeting everybody and you and it seems to me you're having so much fun like huh. oh i just met the police chief of i don't know lisbon and <laughs> and he said this and then i met the police chief of you know this city and 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 you're just meeting all these people and it's and everybody's got different ideas and some of the I remember one time I was telling you an idea and you thought it was good, but that idea didn't really pan out. And uh, you just keep going with ideas. So so the, the the key there is being able to stay in the game. So as I, the ideas come, as you vet them with people that have the knowledge or um, the authority to speak on it, um, you can have the, the, the staying power to air it out, run through scenarios, build budget around it, cut it off, accelerate different, Right. Um, ideas that make sense. And then as you see it start to form and as you see it start to get momentum, then you go build a, you take a first crack at a budget, start putting the money behind it to get you to the next level. And I think that's what I do pretty well is able to see what that next level would be, what the validation we need to get, um, to, to write another check for the next capital raise. Um, for the next funding, and then already have that second level in mind, that second phase, where if we get there, for instance, we've got a, a, a device that's working, it's wrapping. Once it wraps enough, let's go take it to LAPD, LA Sheriff, or another department. Once we show that it's working, then we start to work on a um, what's the next step? We're going into a pilot. Okay, now let's do that five or six times. Now we have five departments going. So now what do we need? Now we need to make more. Okay, now we need some capital. So let's do our budget for the next six months, 12 months, two years, get to the next spot. And then we take another slug of capital. So it's with keeping, being mindful of product, budget and execution. And as that circle, and then we're just building. But what you just said is not, is not trivial. Like, like there are lots of off ramps on that, highway that you just described where you can go wrong. And I've seen so many people go wrong because you get, you get religious about one idea or you get, you know, religious about one timeline. Uh, you're willing to quit an idea and, and, and pivot very, very well. Cause I think, I think you're not, I mean, you don't consider yourself a, a rocket scientist or an inventor or like you have no ability to judge. Okay. This is and you're not a law enforcement guy, so you have no ability to judge really. This is the product, and I'm going to push it. Like you, you just keep surrounding yourself by people, and then you use all the information you're getting from good people to decide where to go. Because I've seen you reject. First off, I've seen you go out with this product or with other products too early. Like you went out right with this product before you had some of the final features that are in there now, and you know you got so far with, you know good departments and then you realize oh we need this and this and this but you weren't so far off that you didn't have a product and and i think the key is a how do you know that you're surrounding yourself with the good people considering that you're not an expert in the any of the areas involved can i let me answer that you don't know if you have the right person or not time will tell mm -hmm. time time is the test and if they're performing and they're doing what they say they're gonna do, and you have a way, a responsible way to um, manage that, um, not as a micromanager, but just as a, a peer, and, and, and make sure you're growing together in a direction, then you just accelerate that. But if you see that person's not performing, and they're not doing what they say they were gonna do, um, 
then it's time to make a decision and pivot from there and just keep going as long as the vision's intact, the business is still there, and um, you understand what the difficulty was with that particular team or person. So it sounds like the way uh, a lot of companies do marketing, for instance. So you try out two ads, one works, the other doesn't. Okay, no problem. Mm -hmm. Now you throw more money around the ad that works and you stop, you eliminate the ad that doesn't work. It's kind of like, okay, I have a bunch of people circling around this idea and here these guys are going mm -hmm. off pursuing, you know, pushing for this thing and boom, it's starting to happen. So you, that's your group now. That's the, you accelerate behind that group. Because I've seen you do it with other companies where, you know, you, you, it's like I've seen over the past decade with one company, for instance, where it was a different set of, of people like every five years or <laughs> yeah. every three years. Yeah. And it's a completely different group of people right now than it was 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think people miss that. You know, uh, rap's a great example. Um, when we started with two employees and now we're like, we're probably close to 40 today in, in a year and a half, not one person has an employment contract. Um, it's built and that's going to change soon, but that was the mentality. You're with us. If you believe in this, we're going to advance this and make a difference in the world. And the buy-in was, hey, let's go to work on this, be a team, let's get aligned and let's be the best we can be every day and grow this and so advance this. So everybody was there with that same mentality. And if you decided that that wasn't for you, or you're getting, no, you. It's 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 okay if you leave. It's not for everybody. And so, so as you were building this up, how many times do you think you got on a plane to meet people you had never met before because of this idea? Um, every single time I get on a plane on this company, I meet somebody new, and I have no idea if it's going to be successful or not. See, that's the thing, I. <laughs> I, I really don't like meeting new people. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to meet new people, but I don't really, I'm not really willing to like get, get on a plane and like, oh, I'm going to fly to Oregon now and go to some random conference and then just mill into the crowd and meet people. But you like love it. You literally can do it, I feel, 20 hours a day. Politicians, chiefs, um, line officers, um, investors, um, the whole the press, yeah. um, local, national press. Um, it's a hodgepodge and there's people coming at you constantly or you're going to them. I like to go to them because it's, it's got more uh, more intent that way. Um, it doesn't always work out that way. But when I feel like when I'm at my best, I know generally what direction I want to take it and the kind of people that I need to be in front of. And And you're doing it, this is why I say, and this is why I think you had a trouble with the word networker because networking is such like a buzzword in, you know, kind of entrepreneurial self-help and all that BS. Like, I don't think you view it as networking. I, I think you're out there, like these people become your friends. When you meet one of these politicians, for instance, they show up at your birthday party or you go mm -hmm. on vacation with them. Like I always used to read stories and we've actually had like, you know, big billionaire CEOs come on the podcast and they would talk about like, and then I went on vacation with, you know, Ross Perot. And like every, these, every, the, the best networkers, they don't call it networking. They're going on vacation though with all their yeah. partners and friends. And who, Well, it, it's a problem now that I'm getting married next week. Um, after uh, 50 years of singlehood, um, I just 
I'll have lunch with someone and I want to invite them to the wedding. Someone that I'm yeah. doing business with or someone that I've known, but like I knew it from a business perspective. So the list has basically doubled in the last month or so in terms of who's coming. Right. And if this was a month from now, it'd probably double again, but that's just who I am. I, well, why I, do you I, think that is? I connect with people and I think that connection is going to last if I'm going to invest in that connection. And I want that to be part of my life. I integrate my life with people I'm connected with. Like, like, and again, I always think I'm very curious about people and, and so on. But then you take that next extra step. Like I went to one dinner at one of your houses and there's an ex-police chief. Uh, there's a politician. There's a professional basketball player. There's a hedge fund manager. There's me. I don't know what I am. There's <laughs> there's a, another writer uh, who we're all friends with. Uh, it's just and and then and you really go in and like get everybody talking to everyone else. Like you just enjoy it so much. Uh, and so, would you call that networking? When yes, and I think that's the real networking. I think the other thing where people say, "Oh, come to my networking event." That's not networking. That's <laughs> BS. And I think all those people stay small. They they stay small with their with their small businesses that may or may not work. Whereas you're building real businesses because you're forming these real attachments to people that not with the idea that, oh, I'm gonna one day monetize this attachment. I think most of those connections you build aren't monetizable at all. But if one tenth of them are or if one percent of them are, that's tens of millions of dollars, particularly because you keep the quality very, very high. And you have to balance those relationships because you can't have those kind of relationships on a wide scale. It's not possible to keep that many people close, right? So it becomes an allocation of time. You have to be a good steward of your day. You have to um, calculate in a, in a, in a sense um, that I, this is somebody I want to spend time with. I'm not really sure why. Um, but I see that we could have a future together. I like their screening capability. I like who they are. I like um, what they stand for, and I like where they're headed in life. So when you um, have relationships with people that um, have that kind of those kind of qualities, um, that 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 can be very powerful when you put together a couple dozen or, or maybe many more of those type of people. Yeah, and and there's some math around this that I want to get to, or some research around this. But uh, I think you made a good point, which is that you don't really know in the beginning. So like, yes, maybe something might attract you to, to somebody as, you know, friend slash partner slash smart person slash colleague, wh whatever it is. Um, but you don't really know in the beginning. And I think that's true for most things. I think people over assume their ability to either judge people or judge investments or judge situations. I think you have to kind of do like lots of little tests somehow. Not that not test is the wrong word. You have to kind of like really be observant. Like, what's an example where you eliminate somebody? Because to meet that many people, well, you can't. As you were saying, it's a time allocation problem too. You have to eliminate people as well. And so, I've seen you do that. So let's just talk about eliminating an investment opportunity. Because what's an investment? You're investing in people at the end of the day, right? So if someone. First off, you have to be careful who you want to spend time talking to, what gets in front of you. You don't want to sit there and take a meeting just to take a meeting because it's a commitment, not just about right. 45 minutes, but it could be the broker's following up with you, the management's trying to get to you, they're sending emails, people are calling you saying, what do you think? So just taking a meeting, you need to be careful on the front end of that. Um, right, because so, a meeting 
is basically half your day. And that's valuable if you're involved in a bunch of businesses. Well, well it could be 45 minutes or an hour. You tend to keep it to, or maybe an hour and a half. But the post that is the people following up, see how you did, um, or yeah. if, if, see see what you thought, or trying to set next steps. That's, what do you think about this? Can you offer some insight? So it gets, it gets, it gets, uh, it can get very heavy. So I would say, um, on the front end, what kind of, in this particular case, what kind of company people do I want to surround myself with? And um, it's important to grow through all this. If, you, if you're not getting smarter, making better decisions, growing as a person and as a, in my case, an investor, um, you'll just be spinning around for the rest of your life and you probably won't be successful. How do you know if you're growing? Um, making better decisions, um, selecting um, executives, people you want to get behind, um, with um, with more intent, with 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 a better selection process, um, being able to look at, for instance, a deal that we just did that sh- you and I both invested in was Charlie's Chalk Dust. Those two guys, Brandon and Ryan, started that company four years ago with fifty thousand dollars of paid in capital, coming from zero business background. They turned it. They in four years, well, three years ago, they turned down Big Tobacco for a huge amount of money, close to a hundred million dollars. Um, they um, doubled sales since then. Their earnings have doubled as well with no capital. Those guys are winners. Those guys are going to continue to grow. So, um, was that was it was was the the skill there getting in front of those people, having the access to those people? Maybe because I got to see that transaction through relationships of people that I respected. But now that the opportunity is in front of me to do calculations based on their sales growth, their earnings growth, and how much capital it took for them to get there. That was a buy signal. So then it took um, time. A buy signal on, I'm gonna spend more time with these people. I'm gonna gonna invest my time to start a process here and see if we can come into a a mindset where um, the valuation makes sense, the cap structure makes sense, and we can all grow this together. I look at when I make an investment, it's not just my money, you're getting my time, you're getting my knowledge, you're getting my relationships, I'm in. Um, not every investment, because the sizable investments. And I want to spend my time um, with concentrated on, on bigger positions with, with, uh, and much more selective in companies. When you invested with me uh, in the, when you were, had that fund of funds back when we had uh, the hedge 2004, fund. 2004, yeah. 2004, we were doing two, three, 400 transactions a year. It was all just... Very, it was all transactional. It was just a trade. It was a trade. It was a trade. We were doing our deals, hedging out the the equity and, and delta hedging the warrants. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was just numbers. Um, this is, and, and this I think is, then you weren't as good. I think judging the quality of people is a skill that is worth putting time into. Like I don't think at, at that point you were as good at judging the quality of people. You were still, you were just as enthusiastic to meet people (laughs) uh, and kind of like the, the, the the skill set of meeting people was there, but the skill set to filter wasn't necessarily there. And it wasn't until I actually jumped in the operational side of the business that I could really appreciate someone's operational um, capabilities. Um, or do they have the right auditors? How are they managing their legal? What's their GNA look like? What's their fixed cost versus the variable cost? Uh, what's their contribution margins? I knew none of that four but, or five but, years ago. But that's just on on the investment side of like the financial investment side. But I've seen some people you you know you bring into your life um, who are let's say somebody giving you advice on like a police officer giving an ex police officer giving you mm-hmm. advice on 
law enforcement. You know, I, I think one metric is how they've been operationally. Another metric might be, okay, are they showing you integrity and in how they're giving you advice and how they're kind of showing up when you when you need them and and so on. Yeah, I mean, getting to see who somebody is, who mm-hmm. somebody does take some time. Um, talk is talk, but um, over time they typically earn their spot, hopefully. And if they don't earn their spot, there's either a reason why something happened, the market changed, um, they didn't get the capital they needed, things took longer than they should have, um, or they just screwed up, didn't execute. And what I hate um, to see in people that I get behind is when they just, um, the storytelling, and it just changes and changes and changes. The story changed once, twice. At some point, you just, it's enough is enough. And then you either, if you're lucky enough, you can cut your losses and move on. Or sometimes um, there's nothing you can do. You just got to hope for the best and um, and go look for the next opportunity. So so I've, I've seen that a couple of times in my own life. Like I would say in the past, also the past 20 years, we're similar in age. I've gotten a lot better at the filter, but it usually takes someone, you know, you you know, there's the kind of phrase, oh, three strikes and you're out. For me, it might be six, seven strikes and you're out. And I should kind of get it down to like one or two strikes. Like, you know, I had a friend once, good guy, always smart guy, always had good ideas, but just thing after thing would happen, like where I'd have to bail him out of this situation or bail him out of, like you say, the storytelling would start to happen. Like, remember, oh, remember four years ago with the gas liquid story where, you know, mm, the, yeah. you, this story and it was a story and then we end up buying the company and none of this, it just, it, the stories just didn't play out. Now that was a risk. We made a decision that the upside was so big if it was working. So we were willing to write a check and back that. But how many times is the story off and how many times are we gonna keep doing this? And is this something we really feel confident? Our confidence was gonna build over time and we'd have made budget if we really felt like we could execute on that, but we could never get to to a point where right. we it was it was um, clear enough that that technology was a go, and we were going to build it out. So we cut loose. Both of us did. Yeah, we yeah. Just cut no, it. I, I think at that by that point, I was better at eliminating. Um, but I and I remember one point where so you you have a, a business partner, uh, Rich. You guys were together uh, doing the fund and back in two thousand four. And I remember one time you and Rich. It's in two thousand eight, literally the month of the financial crisis. You backed me in kind of, we were all going to try this kind of a fund idea and, you know, the financial crisis hit and, you know, that the very first month. So fund idea wasn't going to work out. And, uh, I remember I didn't return Rich's phone call for like two weeks and, and Rich said, look, finally I, I get Rich gets me on the phone or I call Rich back and Rich says, look, um, you know, we're shutting this down and you need to know if you're going to survive. He's telling me, and he's giving me good, good advice. You need to know if you're going to survive in this business, you have to, I'm not, he said, I'm not shutting it down because of any performance. I'm shutting it down because you didn't return my phone call. So you, you need to know if you're going to survive in this business, you need to return phone calls. And this was a big problem for me. Like I had to kind of get better at that really that one little thing that was much more important than anything else in order to to experience success so it was a it's a hard thing for me to get better at and you know there was a lot of things going on in my life and whatever but again that's a story that i was telling 
And mm. it's that's no good though when you're trying to build, you know, your network, your solid, your team, your the, the Avengers. You're, it's no good. You need to be like if, like if like if a Spider Man stopped returning Iron Man's calls, he would just you know <laughs> he'd be left out of all the fun. <laughs> And hopefully the idea is over time you trust and trust is earned, right? And and you build that and build on that. And, you know, we've now been working together for 15, 16 years. You and I tried another venture a couple of years ago. We were going to yeah. do the affiliate marketing in the in the uh, crypto space. Great timing for that business, made a lot of sense. You didn't have to risk a lot of capital. Market was on fire. Um, and then it wasn't fast and right. overnight. And we made a decision. It doesn't make sense to do this anymore. We're shutting and, it down. And I and we walked away from it. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or two hundred different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I love. I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I of course the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income? by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love you know turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's gonna be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at 
NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely gonna use him for now. Not on. that you need it. You're you're young and healthy, James. I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at Hims. Dot com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hims.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hims.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. I remember there were a couple of people who were, who were really upset who were involved, that, that, that didn't want us to shut down. But then I just trusted, I trusted your gut, which is that you know, you have, uh, you had, there were so many things going on. You had a sense of which things to pursue, which things to stop. And I just, I kind of outsourced to you, okay, this is what will move forward. And this was what, you know, wasn't going to force you to do this. You knew what you were doing. So, um, you know, it made sense. And I think that's, that's part of networking is, you know, you, you build up this large circle of people that you could kind of call upon and then, you know, you try different ideas. Oh, yeah, people we knew uh, passed by. Uh, you try different ideas. You bring together the right group of people. If it's, you know, the Avengers and it's the right idea, then you go for right. it. If, if it's not, then, then you don't. James, look at us right now, mm-hmm. this next opportunity that we're teeing up with Stendra. Mm-hmm. Stendra is a company that got fumbled around for um, the last three years for, for, for a whole bunch of reasons we don't have to go into right now. But be that as it may, the company did. Um, it's an ED pill. It's ED 2.0. It's a better ED pill than anything out in the market today. 
Viagra and Cialis had 90% of the market. They still do, but it went generic. By the way, and, have you tried all three products? <laughs> um, good question. Yes. All right. Um, and and, and you feel uh, that this this one works the best? And this one is a much faster activation. You can mm-hmm. eat and drink as much as you want on it, but um, I'd like you to try it and let me know what you think. <laughs> um, but but um, yeah, this, this, um, th- this drug, um, the thing that we talk about, we haven't made the investment yet, but here's a company doing... $20 million in, in top line, two employees earning nine. That's unheard of. No marketing, no no infrastructure, no sales, two people that are, one's a lawyer, one's an accountant. Um, and um, can you, then the idea is 20, 30, $40 million in CapEx. What do you think the top line is going to do there? I mean, so our cost of goods sold are, I mean, the pill itself costs a half a cent. So, so, so okay. So, so, so that seems like, Let's build a world-class team to drive valuation, cr- increase the capex, and we could take the whole market in ED, which is four billion US alone. Maybe we won't get the whole market, but we got a better drug. We're going to have a, as much capital as we'll possibly need. It's right. a, cr- a very profitable business. How do you commit? Like, so they've got a good thing going. Like you say, there there are two people working on this great growing business. How do you? you know, convince them to keep working with you. Like they don't really need you. They're like, they're probably talking to themselves. First off, it's an interesting thing. And I wonder if you know this, we're going to, this is not really a segue because we're going to get right back to this, but this is related. I find when I'm talking with you or other partners about a business, the product, okay, we already buy into the product. Like that's kind of the easy part. If the product's good, we know. If the product's not good, we kind of know. Um, really after that, 90% of the conversation is about the people involved. So is it, are they good people? And what's the psychology of making decisions that involve all of us instead of, you know, two sides? Mm -hmm. So how do, how do, how do you kind of get through that? Like in this case, how do you get them to work for you with you? Well, in this case, it's completely opposite, right? You know you have a product, but you have no people. So can we build the right people around already a good product that's performing, which is so unusual. Typically, you have a company that's doing 20 million sales and earning eight or nine. You got hundreds of people. Here, you got two people. So you know everything we do from here is just going to be accretive. You know all the top line, the revenue that we build in this is going to just drop right to the bottom line. So intuitively, you know this is going to get huge. The product's better than everything out there right now. There's nothing in its class. Viagra and Cialis just don't perform like this does. This was intended for ED. The others just weren't. They were byproducts of heart disease. So so, yeah. so back to your question of how do I know or back to the question, how do you real, how do you know who to put around that? No, how do you get them? Why do they work with you? 20-year relationship with the person that bought it for $80 million. Three, um, he bought it about three and a half years ago. He Is runs this the a, first deal you've done with him? We've invested together for 20 years. He was one of my first investors in the Merchant Bank Vertical Ventures when I was 29 years old. John Shulman and I have been friends ever since. We're friends. I didn't call him an investor. He started off as an investor, but our relationship's gone much deeper than that. I had lunch with his oldest son um, last week in LA and we'll be helping him um, get, a, get a job. I don't, he, the kid really doesn't need help. He's a phenomenal, brilliant kid um, who's going to have do, be very successful. But John runs a billion and a half dollar fund. Um, he, um, when he came to me after he got full control of the company and said, Scotty, you know, it's our time. This is what 
I've been waiting for. This is the deal we're going to work on together. Um, let's make this happen. And um, because and, he's thinking like he, uh, as opposed to other companies he might have started, he wants to access the public markets for this one, or he want he knows you can help him in some ways. He, or? he he knows that I've been successful. He knows that I have good judgment. He knows I know the public arena very well. He knows I have access to people like you that have lots of followers. Um, both in your newsletter business and in your podcast business. And the network of those people is tens and tens of millions of people when you put it all together. So he already knew that. So John's obviously successful and has lots of intuition and dot connecting capability. And it's been a proven success. So John knows that in the marketplace, um, we can get an audience for that. That would probably be, um, I will say, like nobody else could, not just from interested investors, but from this whole ecosystem of podcasts and newsletters and sell-side analysts and media. I mean, look what we did with rap, for instance. We have 10,000 people a day coming to our site. We don't spend $1 on advertising. We've had 800 TV shows. We've been on 800 TV shows domestically, internationally in the last three months. And that's all a lot because of your efforts flying all over the planet? Um, not just me, I mean, the team, but mm -hmm. originally, yes. I mean, putting together the, the capital and the team and, and, and the idea with Woody. Um, but yeah, I'll take some credit for it, but ultimately it is a team and the product's awesome. And the people we have are phenomenal and they're playing at a higher level. Um, Sender is going to be the same because we get to build that team. Different deal than I've ever done. Normally, like Charlie's, um, Charlie's came with an incredible team of super committed guys at Brandon and and Ryan built up underneath them. I've never seen anything like it in business, how connected, how brotherly um, that team is of 50. They're gonna take, they're taking on the world and they're, and they're gonna be huge. Um, Stender is very different though. We got a product that's already selling to the doctors um, just domestically and it's super profitable. And everything, we, we get to put together the world's best team. Last week in LA, right after I met John's son, I was meeting with, um, the, uh, the the CEO of Virgin Media, so he does all Branson's marketing. Okay, like how do you get that meeting? Why do you just call him up and say, no, "Hey, <laughs> this this again"? Th this particular one came through John, and John said, "Scott, I really want you to sit down with this guy. We want him on the board. If there's anybody that stands media and hiring agencies, it's the guy that built up Branson's business. Um, in um, in they've got several business lines together. They've done in production and and they've done something on." Uh, with concerts, and I don't even know how many. Yeah. Branson's got a lot of different business interests, but he runs Virgin Media. And the kid, his name's Jason, he's phenomenal. And we hit it off, and who better to oversee the branding, the marketing campaigns, the agencies that we're gonna hire, than this guy. Yeah, It's fantastic, and he'll find us the guy that can execute um, on the media front. And potentially this is the sort of relationship where like 10 years from now, something else is going on, you could call on him. How about um, 10 days from now, yeah. something else is going on. For instance, maybe Virgin or maybe he has a connection for us on the Charlie side right? for something that they want to get branding to, that they could co-brand with us. So when, or, what do you think or, was the, the switch where, like, again, we've all been through the struggle of being around, you know, there's that saying, you're the average of the five people you spend time with. We've all had the struggle where, too often we had the wrong people in those five or 10. When do you think the switch happened for you and why, where 
you were able to eliminate people much more quickly and build, you know, fill those holes much more quickly. Because I've because yeah. I've kind of seen it happen in the past ten years, but I don't know what the switch was. The switch was going through misery for a decade, mm-hmm. doing something I shouldn't have done, going into the energy business um, with too, way too much money, way too much confidence, um, in an incredibly difficult business. When you're talking about seismic interpretations and um, something you don't and, know anything about. I know nothing about it. All looks good on paper. Yeah. I'm looking at a log, um, then 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 looking at the engineering of uh, what the recovery of a well is. This is really difficult stuff, and you could have the best team on the planet evaluating, and with hundreds of millions of dollars at stake with a successful well and a huge discovery, and then all the data tells us that you just drill twenty feet to the right or ten feet to the south of that of the of the discovery, and you'll just do the exact same well, you just duplicate everything times two and it's dry. Now, that is a very tricky business when you have the best people in the world after a discovery telling you there's a 90% chance of success as a step out well and it's a zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's tough stuff, very tough. So that cost me 10 years. That cost me um, a lot of money, reputation and, um, and, uh, and, and hard work that t- took a lot of my energy. Um, but... It was from there that I was able to learn the lessons of how to judge not just people, but projects, my time, um, and size that up um, in a way that I think made me a better, not only investor, but a better person. Going through that. um, How a better person? Starting to look deeper into who I am, um, blind spots, um, where my bad habits are coming from, did some work on uh, going back um, through some of the how those bad habits were formed. What were some um, of the bad habits? Um, uh, fear was one of my feel of fear of failure was was a huge one, and and um, I picked that up um, along the way, probably from my mom. Um, and um, well, and, why? And like, because sometimes fear of failure means you don't start something at all, or sometimes it could mean you start it and against all odds you keep continuing it without ending it because you're afraid to call it a failure. <laughs> So it could mean either thing, right? So, so when what you, did she used to do so that you inherited? Masking. So, so, so if you're um, having, maybe you're not having the success you think you're having, but your mindset is such that you're going to just power through this and make it a success. But ultimately, um, the reality becomes it hits you in the face. Because um, I remember when you were the ups and downs of this, I've known you the whole time. I remember you. If I would bring it up you would change the subject. <laughs> and so I always know when you change the subject on something uh-huh. that either you're in the middle of figuring it out or it's not going well and you're just not saying it yet. Listen, those were what's interesting about it um, as I look back is not only those were um, painful years from a business perspective, but also from a relationships. Um, when you, for the first time, experience failure, um, and um, in your business life, um, it 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 absolutely kind of um, falls into or spills into your 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 relationships and your social life, and um, it's a double hit. And uh, it's a, it takes a lot of strength to get out of that, a lot of work, a lot of um, counseling, seeking um, higher levels of 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 living and higher levels of of, of what it's like to uh, meaning uh, different meaning that you start looking for in life different types of people. Um, you start to seek um, wisdom 
And um, I hadn't done that kind of inner work before, but once I had the access to it, um, thankfully for my 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 um, closest friend and and uh, and seeker himself, Ryan Essis, turned me on to um, this one particular program. Um, my whole vocabulary started changing. My 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 interests started changing. I started reading different types of books, not just Good how book. to succeed. Um, um, that incredible book, um, Presence. Um, that uh, gosh, I'm trying. Power to of now. The power of now. Thank you. I mean that book just. It's skipping because I've been reading so many books lately, but that Power of Now book was really, um, the, 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 when they start getting into the presence of um, be present and that theme ran throughout the book, um, it just, that was kind of a wake-up call. The Hoffman Institute was another wake-up call for me, going back and finding out where these bad habits are sourced from, going back to your parents, doing the tough work, on really looking at your parents, your mother and your father and seeing and understand, being compassionate what they went through and then going further back and going a, a deep dive on their parents and how they were raised. And what do you um, think, like I always wonder about this, like what do you think the faults of your parents and grandparents were that led to behaviors you have now or that you're trying to overcome now? I think, um, well, it's, different sides, right? And there's a whole list, actually. I thought it would be like just a five-minute exercise. It turned out to be a three-day exercise of me listing things. Um, I thought all my bad habits came from my father. Turned out um, it, lops, it kind of spilled over and, and went the other way with my with a lot of bad habits. It turns out it got picked up by my mother. I'm not blaming her. It's just what right. I picked up as I did that deep work to reflect to see where some of that pain was coming from. Um, so why those decisions were being made, some of the bad habits that I kept doing over and over and over. Um, so that like awareness. What's an example of bad habit that you would do over and over and over? I would say. Um, Other than the fear of failure. Thinking that I could work my way through anything. And if I just kept my head and I just kept working and working, everything would be okay. What, what about on these on relationships slash connections? Um, again, um, Working, working, working on a relationship just just felt feeling like um, I could just this will be better over time because I'll just work on it and work on it. Um, I as a result of that, I, I was in some relationships that I shouldn't have been. Um, I wasn't able to realize um, a real person like when I got reconnected with Carolina. I was able to see that who that person was. I didn't see who she was when we met ten years ago. Um, I just wasn't capable. I didn't have that level of awareness. Um, and when I saw her again um, after that eight or nine year gap, um, it was clear to me. Um, I'm not sure it would have been had I not done that work. Mm. Um, what was your other question? Sorry. But even like uh, in terms of the networking, networking, mm. like when you were a kid, did you, did you? I mean, every kid to some extent has a fear of not being liked, and did you? compensate for that in some way that's you know yeah. like because well, I think some of these bad habits might have resulted in kind of real net powerful networking skills later on that you then were able to patch up the negative things like again I avo avoid people and I think that's from childhood but were you avoiding people when you were a kid yeah yeah I was very mm. shy and I really just would not go out of my way to go to a party or go to an event, I would just you, stay at were home. You, were your parents like that? Yeah, yeah, they were kind of like, or actually, they were. I, I actually, I don't know. I, I think um, 
My mom had polio, so she didn't, she wasn't running around town literally. Mm. And I think my dad was a little Asperger-ish in that he always seemed to think people liked him, but they none of them really did. Mm. So I just kind of stayed home and and just watched TV and played do, chess. And do, do you think if they would have been more outward, more social, do you think you would be more social and outward? Probably, yeah. yeah. I think I kind so. of just really just avoid. I had the same, you know, close friends from first grade through twelfth grade. Never really made an attempt to meet new people. So I guess the question is if you were to take this set of people that followed kind of their parents' bad habits or just their, what their parents did, because that's all they knew, and you took some people that used that as a rally point to be something that they didn't, they, they, they thought was, they could be better at, and they saw like weakness there and they tried to be a better person. I wonder how that would kind of add up if you looked at two sets of people. Would you have more people just following your your family's bad habits or would you feel would you see people that were able to rally from there yeah like well as a kid though i, I imagine you probably had a ton of friends like i just see you being very extroverted yeah. and maybe not having the filter but just having tons of people around yeah i think my mother was super social she talked to everybody she had you know she was at the swimming pool she was a teacher she was she was you know she was just she was always laughing and smiling so i think i got a lot of that from her um, when I was in sixth grade, we lived on a golf course. I don't know if I ever told you the story, yeah. but um, so we, it was a hill and and uh, the golfers would hit the ball outside. It would go over the fence and into the hill. So I was six years old, five or six. I don't even know how old. It's probably five and six. So I would pick the balls up with a bucket and then I would solicit the golfers as they walked by for a dollar a ball. So I was selling these guys back their ball for a dollar and I would come home with like $30, $40 in a day hmm. at six. So that had to be pretty social because I was communicating. They saw yeah, this kid, he's skill. working, he's hustling as a six-year-old. Probably the next job from there, aside from knocking on doors and mowing lawns and raking leaves, not door-to-door, ask people if they wanted their shovel, their driveway shoveled, if they had a bunch of snow or just their, dry, uh, their lawns mowed. That's fairly social, right? You have yeah. to be knocking on that door. And then finally, when I was doing, I did. A, I had a paper route for like eight years with Chris Heck, um, and um, and that paper route probably started like I think I was seven or eight, maybe maybe eight. And you had to collect the money every Sunday, every Sunday. Oh, no, I'm sorry, once a month you collected. Was it once a month? Gosh, I can't remember. But that was a sales job as well. That was a had to be social because you had to knock on the door, collecting for the Washington Post. People were like watching television and and you had to collect the cash and we basically made most of our money from tips. Hmm. Um, and I did that for seven, eight years until I was like 15 or 16. So I think that just was something and my mom must have supported that in a way because I was doing that. So I don't know if she was saying, go out, get a paper route, do this, but someone had to plant those ideas in my head. So, so someone listening to this who, who's like, let's say they're like, I don't know, 25 years old, trying to find their their purpose in life, which is sort of a meaningless phrase. Like you, you look at, at you as an example, you, I feel like there's no one purpose. You go, you have a compass that you're constantly, you know, recalibrating and moving towards that compass based on, you know, also the, the people around you and so on. But, but let's say someone's listening to this and they're thinking, well, I haven't, I didn't do all these things as a kid. I'm a little bit introverted, how do they, what steps do they make to kind of build a wider circle where they could potentially generate future opportunities from that circle? 
I would say first, do they re- is that what they really want to do? Is that the story they're telling themselves, themselves, or is that something they really want to do? And why? Is it because they want to have more um, connections? They want to leverage their mind, or they want to be able to position a book, or um, they want to be able to um, network their way into maybe a master's program. I don't, so, so really, it's starting with the purpose. What do you want to do it for? But let's say it seems like you don't necessarily start off with a purpose when you're when you're networking. Um, or sometimes I, you do, I guess. Yeah, I think you do. I mm-hmm. think you really do. I mean, I just don't go around and say I'm going to network today. Right. Um, right. You know, if 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 now at at at, at fifty, um, it's a little bit different. Like right? you're going because, to a law enforcement convention. It's sort of like you wade in and see what connections kind of. Yeah, almost you that, gravitate towards. And look what happened at that last law enforcement conference. Um, I got a call from a friend of a friend that said that I'm with Eric Adams, who's running for, he's going to, he's this leading candidate for New York City mayor. He's the president of borough, uh, the, the borough of uh, Brooklyn. And he would like to see you tomorrow. I didn't know who Eric Adams was. I Googled him. I said, okay, I'm in Orlando. Oh, let's go. Who's coming with me? We're going to see Eric Adams at in Borough Hall. And by the way, I called the guy back. Um, and I said, would he mind if, would he be open to us um, wrapping him? Um, and so he said, let me get back to you. He said, okay, Eric, will allow you to wrap him. I said, great, can he call the media? And Eric agreed to call the media. So we show up at Burr Hall and the next day. It was snowing and a sloppy day. So wait, you were in Orlando when you first got the call? When you say we Burr The next Hall, day. You the were in Brooklyn day. the next we day? Left, we left Orlando that night. Uh-huh. And got there in the morning, got to, no, we left that that day. Yeah, that day. And we were in Borough Hall with with three of our guys the next day. And um, there was, we, we show up there and there was probably 30 cameras sitting in Borough Hall. And you shot him? And we, and Eric, we go back to his, 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 his office. He wanted the guys, the guy's incredible. I mean, not only was he a captain um, and on the force NYPD for, I think it was 20 years, but just what a sincere, authentic guy who's got playing a, at a higher purpose. Eric asked incredible questions about the patents, how it was constructed, how many times you shot it, what's the risk, what happens you shoot him around the neck, how many times it's been deployed, who owns the company, what's the cap structure. I didn't stop getting these questions from a a politician. I mean, the guy sounded more like a venture capitalist. Hmm. Literally, I know how what a terrific person he was. Um, and he said, "Let's go." I go. You sure you don't need? You know, do you need glasses? You're in a, a nice suit. He goes, "Nah, my my this suit doesn't matter. My ex girlfriend gave it to me." I said, "Okay, um, let's go." He goes, "Let's go." There they were. We shot them, and the rest is history. You could see it on. Uh, uh, rap well, technology. Well, and then I met him at your 50th birthday party. And like you, you bring them all in. Yeah, I had to bring Eric in. Eric's, um, Eric needs to be the mayor of, of New York City. He's, he's, um, he's done so much for Brooklyn. Um, if you look at the data, he's been there for seven years now. Um, it's one of the fastest growing cities in the, in, in the country. It's a sixth or the fourth largest city. If it was taken by con- itself. It was taken by itself. Yeah. Um, crime's gone down in Brooklyn. Um, Education, um, so scores are better. Um, he's sur- he's on a whole health vegan movement. He's getting f- um, unhealthy foods out of the public school system. And the guy's just, he's hes going to be mayor. And, so again, and- it's all these qualities that you could kind of list about him. And then you figure, okay, 
He passes the filter. He could be in. And I have no business ties with Eric. I mean, I just think he's a great person. So I want to be around great people. Right. Eric's a great person. Um, and um, so I think the key I, is a little bit, even for someone who's not necessarily as extroverted as you, is to to be really good at the filter, to make sure you understand what your filter is. Because even if you're introverted and you don't meet a lot of people, everybody meets some people. And there's only room. Let's say there's only so many slots you could fill. You've got to make sure you have the highest quality. You know, and a 25-year-old person is going to meet different sorts of people than a 50-year-old person. But at each step, you got to make sure it's high-quality people that's filling these limited amount of slots you have. So let's talk about a 25-year-old. Mm -hmm. Let's just take... So does he or she know who they are and what they want? I mean, why do they want to, just to go network with people um, that serves no purpose, right? What are they networking for? They want to um, uh, just, they want to find out about what books they like. They want to find out what movie to go to. They want to find out about life. They're looking for spiritual advice, religious advice, whatever it is, business advice. They need to get a purpose. So you need to really vet that with someone you respect. Um, how, 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 do you, how do you find purpose? How did um, you find it? How did I like, find it? Like I think purpose? I think at 25 you were kind of focused on succeeding at your job. Yeah, and and and, and that was my purpose at that time in my life. Mm -hmm. Um do I regret that? No, I don't have regrets, but mm -hmm. was it a little too um job um career money um oriented? Yeah, looking back probably. I didn't have great balance. So, um if I had somebody that I was able to speak with that was a more balanced person, um, both in um, socially uh, with relationships and work, um, my in business, I might've, that could have changed my outcome. It just so happened that I surrounded myself with people that were in the fast lane trying to grow business and would just talk about business constantly. And um, that- Cause that's what good, you were interested in. For good or for bad, that's what happened. That's just mm -hmm. how, that, that was a set of circumstances I grew up in. And that was my environment. So somebody who's 25, if that's what they want to do, then surround yourself with those people and be the best you can um, with, 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 with that intent, with that path, create that path. And by the way, if you veer off the path, that's okay. Just know you're veering off the path and either get back on it or change it, but have that capability to be flexible. And I will add that at 25, it's really important that money is not the key, is not the key deciding factor. It's a factor, but it's not the key deciding factor. Like I know for me when I was 26, I turned down an 80,000 a year working an $80,000 a year job working for JP Morgan to take a $40,000 a year job working for HBO because I loved HBO and entertainment and communicating more than I loved, you know, being at a bank. So you might have you might have done the reverse, not because of the money, but again, because you probably had no interest in HBO. You had an interest in J.P. Morgan. So the question is, what, so let's just take you at twenty five, because we just answered, we just looked at when I was twenty five, what I was looking at, which was nothing but building business, right, mm -hmm. and 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 building wealth. So when you were twenty five, you took that job at HBO, even though you could work at a bank, because why? I was I was writing every day, so I was writing fiction every day, and. I figured, okay, and I literally was watching TV every day and I loved HBO, I loved that product. And I, right after HBO offered me a job, JP, Mor JP Morgan essentially offered me the same job and I just could not see myself, I don't know, I just couldn't see myself at all working at, at, at a bank. Did you think you had your purpose or path at that 
time in your life or did you just choose it because it was what you loved? I think I, I, I think, well, it's probably the same thing. I think uh, I loved it. So at that moment, it was my purpose. And then I switched purposes when I started getting more into entrepreneurship. And that kind of put me on a path that made me very unhappy for a long time. Mm. I really wasn't a natural. Now I know a lot about business just after 20 years of, of doing it. But it wasn't really like something I enjoyed ever. So just the fact that we've had, we've gotten to where we are in different ways, different paths. I think just talking this through for um, somebody who's in their early 20s, stay flexible. Um, be ready to move on something. Um, have a goal in mind. Um, have an Wait, but idea. It's, it's, but it's not like a holy goal. It's not like, oh my God, I was put on this planet to do this. Like, your, your compass might change. It directions. could change. I mean, your platform has to be. Um, you need to try to build flexibility in your platform. So if you're, but if you're working for a large company and um, and and you know that you're going to going to climb the corporate ladder, and that's what you want: job security. You want to be able to um, provide shelter for your family. Um, and um, and 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 there's this path of um, job um, financial security. Um, that is that will work for plenty of people. Um, if you're going into law enforcement and um, you want to have an impact on society, you want to make our cities safer. Um, um, that's that that's that that's awesome, and 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 there should be a path for that with flexibility. Maybe you go into working for the city. Maybe you take uh, a job. Maybe you work for the military. Maybe you work um, for the sheriff's department. And you, and um, you say the word work because it's 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 more commitment than. Just going to a meetup, for instance, like somehow or other to meet the right connections, you have to in, in, invest in networking and not just show up for networking. Yeah, I mean, even if you're in law enforcement, you you need to be. I mean, I hate using the term networking, but um, you need to be um, um, having a group of people that you um, find to be interesting that you can access down the road to to um, bounce ideas off of. Um, Talk about their jobs and 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 what they see, um, and um, that. And how do you get that as a twenty five year old? How do you get that 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 desire to, to to? No, no, no. Once you have the desire, how do you? Again, you can't just go to like a networking event because those relationships might not last, or they're kind of flimsy. Mm -hmm. Like like for you, I remember from the last time you had to find investment opportunities in Russia. You had never been. To Russia before you got on a plane, you went to Moscow, and it's like you have to you have to go you have to do the thing that nobody else is doing. You have to experience something. You do that that you're you're on it. I mean, if 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 you you need to go out and meet that person and have a deeper conversation with them, um, the and 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 really understand who they are, and if that's something something that might be said in that meeting, something that you might feel in that inter, inter interaction. Um, that could solidify your path, or maybe you back off and say, "Hmm, this is not what I really want." Um, I'm just kind of thinking over here now, and then you start looking for opportunities that um, connect you with that long-term, um, that current thinking, I should say. So it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's. I think it's more drive-related than um, let me go network. You have to have the drive to. Um, be your best self. You it, have to have the drive to want to make that connection, want to learn what they're doing, and adjust from there. Right, because and again, that's related to the 
I, I actually didn't mean to interrupt then. That was a point when uh, I should have let you keep going. But uh, uh, it, the the idea of like getting on a plane and going someplace instead of everybody else just reading the newspapers or making phone calls, like you have to, like you would, did you fly to Arkansas, for instance, to meet Alice Walton? <laughs> She met me in DC, but um, no, but we, and then I met her team in Moscow. This was a different trip. Um, but yeah, you have to do. You can't just sit there and think about it. You have to do it. Um, you can't write up big emails. Yeah, just go ahead and experience it. Experience life, experience your ideas. Um, take a chance. Go out there and um, fulfill a, a, an, an idea. Um, you, you're not going to know until you get out there, take the steps, and then, and then. Um, use your best sense to know if you want to continue to advance or or move back or maybe just see, continue to be observant and then take a step when it's right to step out again. But it, your I, your point is do it. Yeah. Just don't just don't talk about it or think about it. Because I think like fast forward twenty five years from that point where you go to Russia, you you flew from Orlando to Brooklyn. So first thing in the morning you could show up at this guy's office and shoot him with a gun to to show him how it works rather than just like talk to him on the phone along with 50 other people that you're talking to on the phone and none of them might work out mm. if you build one solid deep relationship and it's a good one you know it's a quality one then that makes all the difference because um, i think i think there's there's a number there's a number called the the Dunbar number which is uh it's the number of people you could basically possibly socially know and it's about 150 and it's based on all this evolutionary stuff like a tr uh, the human tribe 70,000 years ago kind of expanded from 40 people to 150 people and then there's other numbers where you could have essentially 5 to 10 close friends and 10 you know maybe good acquaintances so these are all kind of evolutionary things it's it's not the same for each person my guess is for you is probably a little more on on each thing just because you're extroverted <laughs> and uh, uh, but you have to be very, really careful how you fill those those spaces and and in order and, and two things one is in order to fill them you have to do things that other people aren't doing so like with this guy who's the Brooklyn guy you flew to see him other people are just calling him so you separate yourself out from the crowd and you know that combined with your filtering ability makes that a worthwhile uh, uh, investment in your time. Let, 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 let's take Sandra. It's mm -hmm. a perfect example, right? I don't know anything. I've, I'm not an investor in biotech or, or pharma, um, but I do know one thing. We have an FDA-approved ED drug. There's only four others, and they're all off patent. So what do we have to do? We have to get to every urologist in the country, actually every urologist in the world. How do we do it? I don't know anybody in that world. Start making connections. We start going to guys like David. We start going to guys that have access to the doctor networks. And we start formulating a plan to get out there and start doing. Um, what is doing? Communicating, telling our story, getting certain... Um, we start to have our conversations with 60 Minutes. We start to have conversations with certain politicians that are going to speak up about what's going on with the abuse in ED right now. You're going to make the conversation, um, you're going to elevate it um, through podcasts and other forms of media. It's a strategy. I don't know anymore, but we're doing it. We're putting together the capital now to um, get ready to make this investment to get after it. We're not just thinking about it. We're not strategizing about it. We're in motion. 
That's right. the difference. And then, and then you also have to be again really good at the filtering, so that you don't, you know, you don't waste one of these precious ten spots with and where you're going to be flying around to to visit that person. You don't you don't waste any of these spots, and uh, you know it seems. It, and yeah, you basically have to build your 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 Avengers team for every big project. Like yeah. you're, you know, some people in the Avengers are really strong, and some people in the Avengers are really fast, and whatever. You have to kind of find the qualities that you're looking for for your team. And this is where it's been a little bit of a struggle because I've always had teams on the investment side. Where I was running a fund, I ran a private equity fund and a hedge fund with with Rich and Josh. Um, uh, now I don't have that fund. I just invest on my own behalf. So that team isn't as clear because they're not working for a pot of money for uh, LPs. I'm just mm-hmm. so putting together that team is now really trading on my relationships, trading on trust, alignment, belief, um, higher purpose, um, mm-hmm. because I'm not managing outside money anymore. So um, and and by the way, I feel much more free um, to do whatever I want. Um, whenever I want as an investor. I'm not tied to a specific investment strategy. I don't have to worry about my marks. I'm just out there in the world um, um, blazing my own trail in the business world. Um, so I get to choose what relationships I have, but you're honing in on the 100% the right thing is the team, the core, to be able to um, scale and leverage the knowledge to go from ED, vape, CBD, um, oil and gas, and um, in law enforcement, I mean, those are insanely different businesses. They don't even make sense. Right. But but who's your legal? Who who's overlooking the lawyers and the accountants and the auditors? Who's who's doing your who are your boards? Do they have um, fiduciary response? Do they have? Do, are they good fiduciaries? Do they have audit experience? But again, it's like you're not just calling people on the phone. You flew out to LA to meet potential board meeting, right. uh, board I, member. And I have great board members on the, that we put together on RAP, a former DuPont head of M&A who, who's a corporate governance brilliant mind um, a co- and a compensation expert that, that did comp for the whole DuPont um, the, 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 the whole DuPont structure. So he serves on, so what's fair, options, vesting, alignment, um, best practices there. B- budget building, real planning, people that can execute on delivery, manufacturing. Um, those are all key, key, key people. Um, marketing, another huge thing. So who's that marketing team? Does it lend itself to the rest of the portfolio? But it, it seems like what you do is, and this is key for investing, but it, it it goes down to the relationships you build, you need to make sure there's an unfair advantage. So you're not just investing in some ED company, or let's, let's wrap as even a better example. You're not investing in, um, even, pre, even at the beginning of the idea or pre-idea, you put together a team based on your 20 years of connections that had an unfair advantage. You had the guy who invented this big sonar gun that sold, I don't know, a billion dollars worth to the U.S. Army. So he wasn't going to recreate that gun. He recreated something else, but you had him on the team. You had people from 
police forces on the team. So you knew what their demand was going to be for. So you could quickly eliminate bad ideas and focus on good ideas. So you had, you had, you put together a team that gives you an unfair advantage compared to like the guy sitting at home just making phone calls. Well, and the real unfair advantage is you have capital. Um, you write check, when you write a check yourself and you lead a round um, or you just do the whole round yourselves, um, that um, is very different than most because most you're running into a banker who's going to raise the money, who's going to do this. So when you put your money where your mouth is and you have the team's access and you have the ability to get more money at higher prices, high, um, higher mar- on, on the public side or maybe the private side, that is an unfair advantage. Um, but but I've, I see that though as coming in stages. So when you're young, you 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 have to get it by knowing people who have capital. Then you're when you're a little older, you can put together maybe a fund of capital, and then you kind of evolve to the point where you've had some successes and you're able to put put your own skin in the game. I mean, at each level, you're putting skin in the game because there's reputation too. But a 25 year old just working out, he's got to start with, or she's got to start with building building that network, constantly shifting it, keeping keeping tap of where his or her interests are, figuring out where the unfair advantage is. Like, okay, I know this person, this is going to turn into an unfair advantage in a variety of situations later on. And it seems like that's what... And and and, and not that we always win off an unfair advantage. We think we have the unfair advantage, so we, we, we capitalize ourselves and take steps to um, uh, go in and take advantage of that unfair advantage, but it doesn't always work out. Right, well, mean you, that, you can you can you can fail there. You think you've got an edge, and you start allocating resources and time towards that, and it doesn't work out. That's okay. Be in a position to adjust and fix it, and then get yourself into another situation where it can you know, you're in a gross spot. Right. Like I think I've seen you in a variety of situations when something doesn't work out, you put an immediate halt. Even if you're feeling like a little bit, uh, I don't know, boom, there's like a halt until you either decide to stop or move forward. <laughs> like if the unfair advantage is not continuing, then you're not moving forward. I've seen and, you and, do that a number of times. Yeah, I mean, it's and that's painful stuff, by the way. <laughs> that is yeah. really painful because you got people, a lot of people involved. Um, there's there's just a lot of elements at play when that happens. So that's not something I enjoy. Um, that's just something that is kind of... But it's um, important. It's 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 important when you're investing. I mean, we want uh, your investors. You want to have success. Um, if it's and you're using your judgment, your time to uh, give yourself the best opportunity for success. What's a time when you someone got into the inner circle and then they just horribly disappointed you? They just did not belong in the inner circle, and you had to basically cut cut the cord. Mm. Um, how like many times? Um, that 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 happens. All the time. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but, I'm, but inner it depends how you define inner inner circle. Like, you know, the people that I can count on both hands. That that style. I mean, yeah. it's um, doesn't happen that often anymore. Those people. When I it believe used to in, happen. Um, yeah, because I didn't know how to um, judge people. I didn't know who I was um, as a person, which allowed it, it put me in a position where I was making bad decisions. Um, but as I grew as a person. Um, and then I, I was able to increase my my wisdom and my knowledge and business savviness as a business person. Putting those two together has been really powerful because I'm making better decisions about people. So, so like the, basically, you know, I think again when people think networking, they think, oh, I've got to go to all these meetups or or mastermind conferences or networking events. It's not that at all. Like that, the seeds of it are kind of internal. 
to some extent. So what what would you say, like, again, someone 20, oh, let's just even say someone 50 years old who's been an accountant all their lives. Now they want to break out and do something new and they're listening to this. They want to change their lives. What are the first five things they should do? Build a list of people that you think, build a list of influencers. Start with five. Who are those five people that have influenced you in your life so far that you respect for personal advice, business advice, relationship advice, it doesn't matter. Go to those five people. Go Set to up, them. Go to them. Don't talk about it. Do it. Do it now. Get in front of them. Grab, grab coffee with them for 30 minutes. Um, bring your notepad. Be respectful. Start to talk um, from their perspective, what they see in you. Mm -hmm. um, start to test certain ideas with them and try to get a path, um, perhaps. Then you go to your next person. Um, your next contact and have coffee with them and, and, and further that idea, further that thought, um, hear feedback, be open, be free. Um, you're, an you're in exploratory conversations with people that love and care about you. These are trusted people um, and do it again and again, get your five, come back, regroup, and then maybe you do it again with a more clear idea this time, or maybe you didn't. You still don't have an idea, but you still go to those people, or maybe you go for another person that you think can, or maybe they connect you with someone they think will be appropriate for you to meet with and spend some time with, and can get into a conversation. How do you ask? You. Like, let's say they connect you with someone, like someone connected you with this Brooklyn borough president. Um, you offered something of value immediately to him. Should some? What if you have nothing to, of value to offer, uh, but but this person says, "Oh, you should definitely meet so and so," but you don't have anything of value to offer so and so yet. Um, they have to believe in you. The reason why you asked me what to do, you pick out five people that believe in you. Yeah. So the fact that they believe in you, if they're going to reach out to one of their friends and connect you, that belief system should follow through to the next person. It should. Maybe it doesn't all the time, but if they're willing to put their neck on the line and say, "Hey, I think you should talk to this person," you're good. Yeah. And now you're doing something. You've got the ball in motion. Maybe you haven't left your job or maybe you're still um, at home um, doing- Maybe you don't know books. what to do next. Maybe you just, but you're formulating a plan. You're out there in the world, um, exercising your judgment, your mind, your connections um, and connecting with people on um, a path forward. Do you take um, notes? Like, do you journal after you meet people? I love to journal in, in notebooks. I find myself journaling and um, with my phone now. Um, but um, I, I, you know, it, it's been a key. If you go to my, you've been to my house. You stayed in my house. You lived in my house. I lived uh, in your house when you were the first place I lived. When uh, I threw out all my possessions, <laughs> and I, I, I told the story of your birthday. I had no possessions. I had just thrown everything out. I had just ended a, a, a relationship that was not working out at all for me. And I had no place to stay. I could have stayed in a hotel room or an Airbnb, but I was, my mind was just for shit at that moment. And so I remember uh, calling you and telling you what happened. And you said, well, of course, you're going to have to stay at my place. But I already knew that because I was literally right across the street from your place. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. So I had was calling you from your place when I called you. <laughs> and um, one of the saddest days was you leaving. It was a good, we had a good run. We yeah, were, we it was like were three or four months. 
put you picked up after yourself. You didn't make a mess. I couldn't even hear you in the morning. And uh, my goal back was for- to leave no footprint ever. <laughs> like I was like in, in my mind, even I was like invisible. So like that's how just like down and out I was at that moment. So not necessarily in terms of money, but just like emotionally. Yeah. So no, it's hey, listen. I love helping friends. You've been a dear friend, and uh, I trust you, and I want the best for you. Well, and, and, uh, it's and been fun. Not only have you just turned fifty, but in a week you're 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 getting married for the first time. Congratulations! I am. I am. It's uh, it's going to be a new journey. I'm excited about it. I'm in love, and um, it's a it's a new chapter. I figured at fifty years old, it's a, it's a when when I found a woman like this, and um, you know, I am I'm a I'm a lucky guy. So it's uh, it's 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 time, and uh, we'll be having a you and I will have a. Uh, now we're we're going to be two married, two married guys again. So well, and and also like I remember we were in the beginning of this conversation, I was talking about like oh people like vacation together. I couldn't understand, but we've vacationed together. I've been to your place out by the beach and stuff. So you're the, you're like the only colleague I've ever. But you know, obviously we're m- much more than colleagues. But you're the only person outside <laughs> of family that I've vacationed with. Yeah. So that's what you do. It's like and you encourage you get other people to do it. It like, wasn't easy to get to, you to come to the Hamptons. No, it was no. not easy. But it was hard. I was happy that you did. Yeah, I did it. Uh and then you had that like you had like that private like Batman room in the house <laughs> that was like behind the library. You had to like hit a, a lever and the library turns around oh, into the room. I should put that Batman picture that you gave me that nice cell of it. I'll put that in that room. That's yeah, perfect. That's, idea. that's the idea. Perfect idea. It's not a cell, that's an original drawing. That Batman, Bob Kane. Maybe I should keep that in in New York. I don't know. But thank you for that. That's an incredible gift that will stay with me for forever. Excellent. Well, Scott, once again, the power of super networking. Again, we hate using that word, but it kind of is what that's like the basis. People say, oh no, I I gotta invest in this stock, or I gotta invest in this company, or I gotta do uh, you know, this or this or this. But really it all goes down to the people. I always find 90% 90% of my conversations about business, it all boils down to me talking about people rather than, you know, the product I could buy into, you know, right away. Everyone's going to sell their product. It's great or not great, whatever. But it's 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 the people talking to you that have to be top quality. And you, you have got that down to a science. So to some extent, I'm a little bit lazy. I outsource my thinking about that to, <laughs> to you. What decision is Scott making? But uh, I hope I am as helpful as possible when, when we do these things. So thanks once again for coming on the podcast. You are welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.